Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ Tanda and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 59, and it's guest week. And we've got Chad from Mancrafting with us today. Everybody, say hello to Chad from Mancrafting. Hi, Chad. Hi, Chad. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know why we all did voices. And apparently, we're all Fozzie Bear at this point, so waka waka. I don't know, something <laughs> that's that's where, this is what you're in for, just letting you know. So, uh, Chad, what is your dominant skill set? Well, I think the, the reason I'm on here is to talk about powder coating. I don't know that I have a dominant one. I'm pretty average at everything I do. Well, that's a smashing endorsement. And it, what skill class is powder coating? Well, I would say that for the majority of the things I do, probably about a one or two. But I would say with powder coating, there's probably a sliding scale because there's guys out there doing things that I don't even understand how they do it. So there's probably a skill level of seven, eight for some of these guys. Pretty high up there. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's great, man. Thanks for not committing to any answer whatsoever. I love that. All right, so it's time for history and fun facts. And uh, did you do any research to share with us on powder coating? Uh, I didn't get that memo from Tom. Yeah. Oh, I'll send over the screenshot of our conversation uh, in just a minute to prove. This is this is not really a surprise. <laughs> Tom doesn't prepare anybody that he brings on, which is why I'm going to reach nope. out to the next guest so that that way they actually know what they're in for. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm the anchor. I'm the, I'm the guy with all the friends, so I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not true. Tom, did you do any research? I did research. Did you do research? I did. Well, oh, it did say it did say history, but it doesn't say I'm supposed to look up history. <laughs> I that's true. Yeah, that's true. All I'm hearing no, are excuses. I, Just a bunch of excuses. One word. That's one word. I have a fun fact. It's not that fun. Um, so do you remember Mark Rober's video from four years ago? Of course you do. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. it's, that was a good that one. Yeah. yeah that one. Liquid, yeah. Yeah. That one liquid sand, hot tub, um, AKA fluidized airbed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you go, okay. If you Google, see, I told you, you remembered if you Google fluidized airbed, I re like very recently, like maybe a month ago, I saw a two second clip in one of those stupid like Facebook real videos where like guys are working and it's really cool looking and you watch it for like nine hours. So I saw like a half a second clip of these guys dunking like an eight foot section of fencing, metal fencing into a giant bath of powder coating. And I went, holy <laughs> that's the same thing he was talking about in his video and from what I remember from his video, he, he like struggled to find anybody utilizing this, um, technology. So it basically turns a giant pot of mm -hmm. powder or sand into like, you can like swim in it. It's really weird. So I thought that was super interesting. So they, they're dunking these giant eight foot sections of like chain link fence, so to speak. And then they're putting them right into the like next conveyor belt lane with, um, which I'm sure goes through a big oven, but I Googled it just now to to, you know, because I had to do research. PJ makes me contractually. And you can do this on a small scale. You can make a small, like, five-gallon bucket of fluidized powder coating material, dunk your part, and and bake it. Have you tried that, Chad? Or do, I mean, I know you spray it on, but 
Yeah, mostly I spray. But, you know, it's funny you say that. I was going to do a video on that years ago. Uh, do you know Mark Saunders? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, is he CNC? Um, no. Yeah. Um, NYCNC, or is that a different Saunders? Mark Saunders, he had white hair, glasses. He was at Maker Camp. Then no. Okay, so Mark, Mark, he's like a wood turner. He's a wood turner. Anyway, so Mark Mark said that when he was growing up, him and his dad used to powder coat something, and they had like a, a a system, just like what you said, set up in their garage. I think it was all homemade, and I had the intentions of actually, once he told me about it, I was like pretty excited, and just like everything in my life, it fell to the wayside, and I wasn't excited and didn't make the video, but it's something I've, mm-hmm. it's something I've wanted to do. I know a lot of people use it for, they'll put it in with ammo to powder coat the ammo just the the lead part huh so they they use that at foundries for um dipping the investment in sand hmm. so they so they dip the you know whatever they're wanting to build a investment shell around mm-hmm. so the oh, the really? actual material they'll dip it in the investment then it's wet with investment then they'll dip it in a fluidized bed of sand and that makes a coating of sand and they let it cure for just a little bit, and then they dip it in the investment again, and then dip it in the fluidized bed of sand. So the foundry that's just down the street from me has a, a huge fluidized bed of sand for that. Wait, why? I didn't follow the ending of that. Why do they do that? Well, then they then they melt out the wax or whatever, and they have the hard investment shell that they then pour the bronze into or whatever. Ah, that's cool. Oh, wow. So they're creating they're creating a hard investment shell but they want to build it up in, in layers. And so it's in it's investment. Okay, so kind of like a can, like dipping a candle. Yeah, it's like dipping it into a plaster or an investment, right? Right. I know it's totally different than a candle, but And then and then they dip that wet investment into the fluidized bed of powder and because it's fluidized it just kind of sinks down into the powder, wow. but then it comes out all coated in sand and then they can do another layer of that shell and they build up, That's you cool. know, multiple layers to make a hard shell it depends that's it's investment casting and depending on what it is that you're you're trying to cast that method it gives you more detail like if you're doing drill reinvestment casting it's small enough that you can fit it um, into a vacuum chamber and it'll uh, get all the air bubbles out and it'll make sure that the investment sticks to all the tiny details but for something that's bigger that you need more detail, that method will give you the detail that you would lose otherwise if you're just putting it in a vat of investment because the bubbles might be harder to get rid of or you don't have a vacuum chamber that size. But layering it would eliminate the, the bubbles. Right. And and jewelry, you could just, you know, you could pour investment all around it. But these are like human-sized bronze sculptures and stuff, so you can't really, you know, create a huge block of investment. So they just coat it like that. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. That too. That too. That's cool. Yeah. Tom, um, kudos for doing research. Um, I'm not really sure that was actual research, but you talked, so that's that's a plus. Tanda. I mean, I googled I googled something, so I think it counts. You googled stuff throughout the entire show. Well, I have a I have a I have a fun fact. What's the fun fact, Tanda? Save us. Um, you can powder coat wood, so that's kind of a fun fact. What? If it's got a little bit of a moisture content, or you can spray it with something to make it slightly conductive. Hmm. And then powder coat it, and then if you use a UV cure powder, you put it in, you know, in front of like UV cure lights or heated lights. They have special powders, hmm. 
And so that was interesting. The first time I ever ran across that, and it was, you know, it was like a piece of particle board, but it was powder coated. And I was like, how do you do that? You know, how do you? <laughs> um, so I read up a little bit about it. So that was an interesting fun fact. If you're if you're ambitious, you can powder coat wooden furniture. In fact, some cheap wooden furniture is powder coated. That's how they make a plastic coating on the, you know, on the cheap wood furniture. I kind of feel like all you need to do is like get a spray bottle and just spray it down, and then it's it's moist. You could just go for you know. Well, in in the early art, back when I first started doing a little bit of powder coating, and I came across this in the process of researching it. That was basically what they did. They, you know, had a humid room that added a little bit of moisture to the to the wood, and then it ran through the powder coating line while it was still had a little bit of moisture in it. Yeah. If you ever go to like IWF, one of the big uh, wood working trade shows, they actually have a couple of different companies that do that, and they actually have systems where they can actually put basically wood grain or any kind of like image into that with the powder actually i, I think i even saw it at uh fabtech this year mm-hmm. not sponsored i don't recommend them i was pretty i was pretty amazed I, I didn't realize you could do that much i think you can do i think there's a companies that specialize in doing giant signs as well that work like a like a laser printer which is hmm. basically a powder that's electrostatically attached but they have big metal sheets and then they electrostatically attach different colored powders to it and then it runs through the oven and bakes it on. So there's some interesting... You know, Chad, Chad I, I just realized, maybe for your research, you could just tell us the very basics of powder coating and bring people in that don't have any clue what we're talking about for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> like, what's the basis of it? Like, what is it doing? I know It's basically a form of painting, but it's not paint. Well, it, actually, uh, there, there are people who do refer to it as powder painting, so... It, it is it is essentially a coating that you're putting over a material, typically something that has the ability to, to have a neutral charge. So essentially, when you're taking a powder, you're shooting it out of a gun. The gun's putting a charge on it. As it builds up on the object that you're powder coating, typically a metal, uh, it's going to have a ground where the, you know, the, the charge is you know, pulled away and eventually it builds up to a point where it just won't accept anymore. Um, sometimes that's too much, but it's generally not. It's generally holds just enough, especially with the kind of powder coating I do. I, I haven't had an issue with it uh, very often. And then once you do that, and basically the the powder is, it's a powderized plastic. I mean, it's, uh, there's a couple different types. There's a urethane and there's a lot of them that are uh, like a uh, powder that's uh plastic. Mm-hmm. And once it goes into the oven, it heats up to, you know, say 325 to 400, depending on the type of powder. And it melts over that, giving you that nice coating, like you see here, uh, which mm-hmm. they can't see in powder. Pa- sure. But it's, it's, it's like land. a re- it's a pretty uniform coating. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's very it uniform. Kind of, it's kind of foolproof, isn't it? It's kind of, I wouldn't say it's hundred percent foolproof because I've definitely made mistakes, yeah. but it's, it's sure. simple. I would say, like I said at the beginning, you know, for a lot of the stuff I do, I would say, you know, a two. Uh, let's say a light bulb is like a zero. Um, so it's not super hard. And, and you know, we were at Maker Camp, the th- two, well, two of the three of you guys were at Maker Camp and got an opportunity to do it. I know that Tandra's done it herself yep. previously, but you, yeah, it's not that hard. I mean, basically you're just spraying, it's like spraying Windex on a window 
and uh, you don't have to wipe it off. You just put it in the oven and it bakes and it gives you a nice uniform, uh, very durable. And that's probably the biggest thing that you want to know is versus using paint where paint will scratch, this doesn't scratch that easily. It takes a lot more to scratch it or if it bends, like I could take a Coca-Cola can, an empty can, and I could powder coat it, but then I could crush it or I could, you know, deform it. And where paint might flake off very easily, the powder will just kind of hold on. So it's hmm. it's an extremely durable, because it is, it's like a plastic over that surface. It's a very durable uh, finish. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I did a little bit of research on when was powder coating invented? And basically it said late 1940s, Wow! Uh, you know, into the 1950s. It was during this time that uh, Dr. Erwin Jimmer, uh, a German scientist, developed the fluidized bed application for thermal resins, which we've already talked about. And he applied for a patent in 53, got his patent in 55. And then the process of App, you know, there there's more than one way to apply it. So people were were working on different methodologies, and according to this, you can get a film thickness of anywhere from six to twenty mils hmm. of th thick of of um, mm -hmm. polymer resin there, and it is corrosion and abrasion resistant. And it was at first generally used for electrical insulation. Now, this I found kind of interesting. The coating materials can consist of nylon eleven. Cab, which I don't know what that is, polyethylene, plasticized PVC, polyester, chlorinated polyether, polyether. So they're somehow they've managed to harvest ether and mix it <laughs> together with polyester. That I found fascinating. I'd really like to know who did that because I've been trying to get my hands on some ether for quite some time. I hear it's good stuff. Well, it used to be able to send signals out through the ether, but then they, they captured it all and put it into powder in the 40s. Yeah, so. basically. That's that's what I'm talking about. Um, so, And I mean, they, they say that the, the reason that the powder coating came about was because of environmental reasons, because most of the paint had solvents that were very harmful to the environment. I kind of find it hard to believe that they were worried about the environment in the 1940s when most of the machinery would just as soon take off your arm than, uh, than, you know, hurt a tree. So I don't know. I think somebody thought of the idea. And later on, they figured, oh, it's good for the environment, you know. So, But yeah, the, the, the basic uh, theory is if you remove the solvents and you replace the solvents with air and air delivery, um, that is what prevents it from being harmful to the environment. And air delivery is possible because of the electrical charge and powder coating. So that is what I found in a nutshell. It is it is fairly clean, though. I mean, it's something you can do in your shop and then just kind of sweep up after, which is nice as well, versus painting with a solvent-based rattle can or something. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Interestingly, it's, it's, no, more, it's no more flammable than the dust that you're sucking up. I've, I've gotten a lot of comments over time about, you know, oh, you're going to blow up your shop or this or that. You can't use that vacuum. you got to use one that's rated for flammability. And if you look on the MSDSs, it gives you a flammability rating. It's the exact same rating as, or I, I guess t technically it's an SDS now, but it's the same exact flammability rating as uh, dust, which 
Right. It's pretty low. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I mean, people must be thinking of it as like you're sucking up paint, like, you, like you're spraying a rattle can into your vacuum or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, they just, yeah. for some reason, they think it's very flammable, and it's it's not. I, another thing I was going to do a video on is is actually having my neighbor stand out there with a candle or something and then shoot it at him, and uh, we never got around to that. <laughs> Next time someone tells you that you're going to blow up your garage, just tell them you're absolutely right. I've got a lot of gasoline stored in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been trying. You've just entered the dealer's corner where bargains are currency. Prepare yourself. All right. I've got a good one for you guys. Who remembers the story of Pumpkin Longshanks? Yeah, yeah. From the summertime? Yeah. yeah. The guy that gave me the free bandsaw? Oh. How could you forget Pumpkin Longshanks, Tom? Come on. I feel like I couldn't. That's why I think you're lying. So, Pumpkin Longshanks... Uh, reached out to me his real name is zach and this is uh, this is a holdover from last week right after thanksgiving and basically he had been off of social media for some time and i had been sending him a bunch of marketplace listings for uh bridge ports because he'd been trying to get a bridgeport mill so i've been trying to help him find one and he's like hey man i appreciate all the things you've been sending me i've been off social media but man i was just talking to my uncle and um, his uncle's name's Don, Uncle Don. He says, uh, he's got this drill press, man, and he was, he's getting ready to scrap it. And I thought of you, you should give him a call. And, and I'm like, well, do you, do you have any pictures or anything? And so he sends me these two pictures and I could see right off the bat that it's a heavy duty Delta DP 600. It's, wow. it's a nice, you know, it's a nice model. And I said, what can you tell me about it? He goes, well, he told me that the motor probably isn't working. I said, probably isn't working. He goes, well, he doesn't know. And I'm like, all right. And so I get his phone number. I call him up. And I, I said, so what's going on with this drill press? And he goes, well, I got it from a guy. And he told me the motor wasn't working. And I brought it into my shop. And then I just never plugged it in. And it's been sitting here for years. And I just don't need it because I got another one. And, you know, I'm just, I'm ready to scrap it because it's just in my way. And I said, Okay, so you've never plugged it in. No, no, I haven't. So I'm like, all right, yeah, it probably works. So I said, um, okay, well, but uh, a broken motor, is a, that's a pain point right there. Uh, how about 25 bucks? And he goes, sure, come get it. <laughs> so I made a time. A couple of days later, I go up there to Uncle Don's. I had told him when I was on the way, I said, I'm probably going to take the motor off just so it's easier to load. He went and took it off for me. Super nice guy. Uh, got there. It was already taken off. And, um, you know, we're talking about it. And the first thing I notice when I get there is just below the oval Delta badge that's on the outside of the, the quill casing, there's another plaque. And I'm like, what is that? And I get close enough to read, and it says Property of Department of Defense Plant. So it's a DOD drill with a plaque. And I tagged it at 1943. So this is a wartime drill that was making like tanks and planes and stuff. And on top of that, during this time period, for some reason, Delta made four different kinds of serial number tags. And the most fragile of the tags is actually the kind that I have, which is called compressed oil board. 
which is basically like a cardboard with a coating on it. And most of the time, these things would just deteriorate if it was stored in a bad place. Mine is held on by one rivet. So I have to figure out some way to safely remove it and then maybe cast it in resin or something and then reattach it so that it totally doesn't just go away because it's it's not going <laughs> to ain't going to last forever. It's cardboard. Anyway, so we loaded it up. I got it home. It's it's mostly complete. Like there's there's very little the the table was had had some holes and stuff in it, but nothing was really broken. I think there might have been one thing missing. I can't really remember what it was off the top of my head. But it was mostly like, I'd say it's like 90%, 95% there. So anyway, I plug in the motor, I turn it on, and it spins like nobody's business. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. The guy never plugged it in. It's a three-quarter horsepower Dynaline. Uh, it's 120 volts. And I was just like, yeah, this is what I figured. So uh, I got a $25 drill press, which originally... I thought I was going to sell until I saw the DOD tag, and now I can't sell it because DOD equipment is super rare. So now this is this is the sixth drill that is in my personal collection that I don't have space for, but is I now own it. So so there's that. And I, I thanked Mr. Mr. Pumpkin Longshanks for his contribution. That's a killer deal. Oh, oh, Tom, I got uh I just recently got a deal, a short deal to tell you. I finally bought mm -hmm. a Ryobi cordless glue gun, the dual temp. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so here's here's the deal. Sucker. The, well, they refused. <laughs> they wouldn't put it on sale, okay? They wouldn't like I watched for Black Friday. I've been watching for like 6 months. They wouldn't put the darn thing on sale. But I noticed yesterday they had a flash sale. And they put it together with like four or five other items. Like you could get that glue gun plus something else. And I didn't want anything else, but they had one where it was the little baby glue gun that has like its own little holster it sits in plus the dual temperature. And for the two of them with free shipping, it was 60 bucks. And nice. that dual temp by itself is 50. So I'm like, okay, you know what's going to happen. I'm going to get these two. Then I'm going to sell the little one. I'm probably going to end up paying like 30 bucks for the dual temp and I'm going to be happy. So <laughs> I finally got one. Now, the only thing that's left on the list is I got to get that high volume uh, air inflator. So, which mm. they still haven't put a deal up that I'm, I'm happy with. Usually they, they keep pairing it with that, uh, that tire inflator, which I don't want, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm still that's on a good the tire lookout. inflator though. I like it. I, maybe I'll get it. I don't know. I'm sorry. What was the, what was the tool that you want? but you don't want the tire inflator? It's a high-volume air inflator. It basically looks like a drill, but it's it's a it's like for a... For like an air mattress. Yeah. Oh, for like an air mattress. Okay, okay. I got you. Yeah. yeah. It's very small. That would be, actually, that anything. would be nice. There's a, there's a place near me that sells... I'm not going to say their name, uh, but they sell pallets. They, like, they get pallets in of all the... Basically, I think it's anything that Home Depot carries. So Milwaukee... Um, Ryobi, really? yeah, and like there's a place they buy the pallets from somebody near nearby, and bring them into their place and break them up and put them on shelves and everything. And it just so happens it's a friend of mine, but I haven't gotten great great deals there because it's you know it's a friend and I don't want to take advantage of them. But at the same time, uh, they're better deals typically than you'd get even when stuff's on sale. So 
you know, I, I don't, I don't try to haggle with them, even though they, they're like, is that, is that good enough? And I'm like, Hey, whatever you say the price is, you know, you're, you guys are in business. <laughs> so yeah, right. Sidebar, Chad, uh, we, we need to talk after the show. I've got some, <laughs> some questions. I need some, some M12 Milwaukee stuff that's missing out of my, uh, collection. My, yeah. Yeah. I was looking at a cutoff tool that they didn't have it on a, on sale though. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk later. You're talking about the reciprocating saw? No, 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 no. The cutoff, it's a its a, a cutoff wheel. It's a little three-inch cutoff disc. It's like an angle grinder, but on the side. Uh, no, this. that's a rotary tool. That's that's yeah. uh, thats not what I'm talking about. Oh, it, oh, 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 I know what you're talking about. It kind of looks like the port-a-cable brush, you know, the, the one it, that... It, yeah, it looks like a restorer, only it's got a... Exactly, yeah. but it's just on the one. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so... I'll, know, I'll see if a, they have any. Which one? You want Ryobi or Milwaukee? You want Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Uh, Ryobi's total garbage. So that's, I, I want Milwaukee. That's, uh, Tom made me buy the Ryobi stuff. You know, I can't help the thing, it. It's the, thing about Rio, the thing about Ryobi with me, I don't like the color of them. I'm just, you know. Oh, they're terrible. It's terrible. And, and yeah. the funniest thing is it's one of my favorite colors for a cup. Well, you know, what can I say? Your cups aren't garbage. There's, that's the difference. So anyway, oh, oh, it looks like Tom just woke up. Uh, anyway, uh, thank yeah. Uh, that's that was a really cool story, Chad, about the pallets. Uh, I I thought for a second there you were going to tell me the company the company name rhymed with Hackman, but um, obviously I'm, I'm I'm mistaken. Oh yeah, Johnson. So, yeah, Johnson. Were those deals hot enough for you? You got a sizzling deal that's burning a hole in your pocket? Send it in. Maybe we'll read it on air. All right. It's time for personal history. Chad, why don't you tell us how you got into powder coating in the first place? That's a good question. Actually, and I do have a story for that. Didn't even prepare for this. I started customizing uh, Yeti cups because, well, I had I had a business and I had several employees and they know that I'm notorious for losing things. And I bought this Yeti after all my Tervis cups were destroyed in the dishwasher. Somebody in my family put them on the bottom bottom rack and melted them. So I bought a sandblaster and a Cricut vinyl cutter and I customized my first Yeti. And at that point, everybody wanted that. They were all excited about it and I started making hundreds of these things. But I hated doing the Cricut vinyl cutter and all that and I I just started looking at other things that I could do to customize them. And I had seen a video, I want to say it was NYCNC did a video years ago where he powder coated a menu uh oh yeah yeah to, i remember that one yeah, yeah. to to uh hold with like up a, cr- a crab on it or something yeah yeah to put yeah. to hold a recipe book and i thought mm-hmm. i bet i could do that to uh to a cup and so i started researching you know like is it safe to put on on a cup and you know all that stuff so i i i went to the restore i bought a used oven or it wasn't used it was a brand new oven with dents in it and brought that home, and then I ordered on Eastwood my first uh, powder coating gun, and I just had all this stuff, you know, that I bought to, you know, customize my forty-dollar Yeti at the time. Now they're down to thirty. And what I would do is I'd put the vinyl from the Cricut vinyl cutter on there. I would powder coat it, and then I would peel the vinyl off before the before the powder was fully cured, and then I'd put it back in the oven to fully cure it. And I started putting up videos on that and it just kind of took off from there uh and eventually i realized my logo's got a lot of detail in it as you can see 
And mm-hmm. I couldn't do that on a Cricut vinyl cutter unless I had it at 12 inches. So I needed to buy a laser. So anyway, that was the basically the powder coating came just trying to differentiate from what I'd started doing, you know, to add, add some more value to the process. Now, when you were doing the sandblasting, were you putting, you were putting the vinyl on and then sandblasting away everything on the, on the Yeti and then using the vinyl, using the vinyl as a, as a mask to protect it? Exactly. Like, so normally, like if you cut something out on a vinyl cutter, you would take away all the blank space and then that sticker would be what you put on a back window of your car or whatever. Right. But I would do the opposite. I would put it on the, actually I would weed it, but I would still put it onto the cup where what I wanted it to show was the empty space. And I would sandblast that empty space and I would tape up the whole thing. So there wasn't, you know, stray sand hitting other parts of the thing. It was very labor intensive. So powder coating was like, it was, it was a welcomed, uh, you know, change from that effort of, of sandblasting. So, and, and the thing is like, unlike uh, PJ and Tom, I don't get rid of tools. I have every tool that I've ever bought uh, or been given or whatever. So I've got in my garage, I've got a sandblaster. I've got lasers. I've got everything. It's all down here. Don't, don't feel bad. They, they, they give me <laughs> about that as well. I never have a bargain thing because if I buy it to keep it and, and I pay anywhere near like going rate, then, then it doesn't qualify, and they won't even let me talk about it on the on the show. I, I have a really good friend who's I always refer to him as a horse trader, and I think both Tom and PJ would fit into my horse trader uh, category. So he's really good at it. And if I need something that is going to be really expensive, I put him on the on the hunt. Mm. I don't do mammals. I got to tell you right now, Chad. I mean, my my first name is Philip, which which does mean horse lover. Oh, I, I'm not a horse guy. Not a horse guy at all, so don't. don't well, that's stick that's me with why you trade him. Yeah, no, I I don't want to trade him. I don't want to. I don't want to be around him. It's I don't. I don't get along with horses. You know, they're uh, they're just not. They're not my kind of animal. You know, I'm more of like a like a dog person. You know. Well, I mean, to me, a steel horse is much better than a real horse. Are you talking about like those ones you put the quarter in and you ride them in front of the grocery store? No, something with like a 650 cubic inch engine hmm. uses gasoline. Yeah, or bigger. Yeah. On a steel horse, I ride. Okay, exactly. Okay. So, 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 like one of those mechanical bulls in the bar. I get what you're saying. Okay, exactly, exactly. exactly. Ironically, I have a video on YouTube of my daughter riding one of those. Oh, jeez! Don't <laughs> tell people that. Well, <laughs> she was a kid. She almost got knocked out. Oh man, this this uh, this says a lot about your parenting skills, Chad. But we're gonna move I, on from I, here. Well, <laughs> I wasn't around. Her friend took the video. She wanted me to put it on YouTube. I did. Had nothing to do with me. So right now in your shop that that has all the tools, what would you say is you're using the powder coating and the laser to to just do um, the tumblers? Are you doing any other products? Uh, Let's see. I just got uh, a bunch of business card holders into laser. I've been doing a lot of signs. So back here behind me, you can see I've got a uh, plasma CNC. Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of sign stuff. Outside, I've got a, another shed, which has all my welding equipment in it. So I've been doing a lot of welding. Occasionally, I'll weld something up and then powder coat it. Like, for example... Which which uh, not-sponsored plasma table do you have? I've got the Langmeyer. Okay. Uh, and, the, and the reason was... Well, so the first, the first plasma cutter I ever saw was at JD's shop. 
J.D. Mm-hmm. Brewer, which I think you had him on earlier. Yeah, yeah. And it was a 4 by 4 workspace, which made it about 5 by 5 And I was like, man, I would love to have this, but I, I don't have any place to put something that big. And it was, uh, it was a downdraft table, so it was all metal. It was super, I mean, to me, it looked super heavy. I, I never weighed it, but um, I was just like, man, I, I just can't. When I saw it, I was just like totally in love, and I knew I needed to have something like that. And about three years ago, uh, Langmeyer came out with a 2 by 2 which mine now is a 4 by 3 But the 2 by 2 when it came out, I bought on the second, like they did like pre-sales. So like they had the right. first pre-sale. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then they, I looked at those. Yeah, and then they came out with a second one. And that it didn't have torch height control. And there were some, you know, definite downsides to it. But it was super cheap. I mean, I was like, man, I can make money with this thing, you know. And I brought that in. And I had the 2 by 2 for a while. And I end, uh, I broke it down and sold it to uh, Stuart from Yellow Mug. And so he's got it now. And then I bought the... Well, I had actually already bought the 4x3 when they came out with that. It's called their Pro Table. And now they've got one that's 4x8. So they keep adding, you know, options and, and, you know, whatever. And it's still a great deal compared to other machines in that same price range. But not to try to sell it, but it just... It was light comparatively you know it came into my shop in pieces so i could you know put it together here and uh i mean I, i'll tell you it's, I mean, i've done the biggest thing i've done on it is a five by four so i had to do registration on it but right. man, I, I just uh, i love that table i mean it's every day that i get to use that i'm just sitting here thinking i can't believe i have something like this in my shop it just blows my mind it's a very cool tool and if you're doing signs with letters and stuff, registration's not not too bad. I do that on my laser, where I do one half and then flip it around and do the other mm-hmm. half. And... Well, the first time I ever, you know, my both of my lasers have path pass throughs, so I did a. Um, I don't. You probably met Greg at Maker Maker Work, No WorkbenchCon. He mm-hmm. he he doesn't go to WorkbenchCon. Oh, actually, he's at always. He was always at what's the one that Maker Fair. So he was always at Maker Fair. He's like six foot seven. And we all refer mm-hmm. to him as Tall Greg, but anyway, he was he was actually on staff with Maker uh, Maker Fair um, the years that I went, and he's he lives like a mile from me. Super convenient. He's super smart, and he helps me with a lot of stuff. That you know, Tanner, you know who he is, uh, Maker Life on Instagram. Mm-hmm. He follows you. I know. I said Tandra. I meant Tanda. But anyway, I don't know where I was going with that story. Where was I? You just wrapped up. How about that? It was, yeah, you just got done. Doing yeah. registration and pass through on your <laughs> oh lasers. yeah 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 the pass through on the laser the first thing I ever did is a, a registration because you know that's like kind of like next level to me like I'm like oh I don't understand that how do you do that well Greg had a he was doing a speaking lectern and he put like some space camp thing on this uh, LED I'm sorry it was LEDs in the background but on this uh, acrylic and so we lasered it on on the laser I have 16 by 30. So that's not, you know, very much space relative to this, you know, five foot tall speaking lectern. And he, he registered it and we ran it through him. It's amazing. Uh, I got a picture somewhere on my, um, on my Instagram years ago, but that was the first time I'd ever done any registration. So now that I'd seen it done, now I understood it and I've used it a couple times on the plasma cutter and I did a five foot by four foot sign for. The guy who sings that, This Is How We Do It. Remember that song? This mm-hmm. is how we do yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not he doesn't sing it like that, but 
Yeah. Right. Same, similar words. Very similar. Almost yeah. the same words. The right, Montel yeah. Jordan. The right words. Montel Jordan. My, yeah, that's it. Montel Jordan. Yeah, so him and his wife, they have uh, some sort of ministry now. They're not, he's not in uh, regular, you know, pop culture anymore. But a friend of mine knows him and he wanted a sign. So we made him a sign. Yes. Five foot by three, four foot. That's awesome. So what, what is the, getting back to the powder coating, what is the maximum capacity that you can actually powder coat? Do you still have just that regular oven or do you have something bigger now? I have not uh, gotten a bigger oven. I haven't had a huge need for it and I really don't have a lot of space. I could probably build something that is probably two feet, maybe three feet taller than what I have now. And I've considered it. I've considered building something bigger. Uh, but I just haven't, I, it hasn't been a high priority because I don't powder coat as much now as I did two years ago. Two years ago, like before Yeti or any of the companies had these uh, pre-coated, nobody had them. So I was the only thing. And then like a year later, Yeti and Walmart and Costco and Sam's, you name it, they all had a powder coated version of a cup. And it was just easier just to laser that cup than it was to... And it saved my customers money too. So occasionally I still have call for it where I have to powder coat something in order to get the color they want. Cause you know, you're limited with, you know, the manufacturer's colors, but I try to always, you know, push people towards something that will suit their needs, but still be off the shelf pre-coated with a Duracoat or powder coat. All right. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Tom, what, what is your experience, your history Tell us everything you know about powder coating. Everything I know. Here it goes. Uh, so a couple months ago, I went to this place called Maker Fair, and Chad was there, and he taught me how to powder coat in about four minutes. There, there's, there's no more Maker Fair. I, I think it was called uh, the Catskill Maker Camp. What I, what I call it? You said Maker Shoot. Fair. It's not Maker Fair. Maker Fair doesn't exist anymore. That's why. That's why you it. were so late. That's getting, not what I meant. Getting point, to Maker's point Camp. Of order. You went to Maker's Fair. Point of order. <laughs> Yeah, Maker Camp. It was really cool. I'm going to reiterate it and make sure I actually learned something. But uh, he has, it only required a few pieces of equipment. Uh, one was like a little shroud to like spray your in just to keep it clean. But it was a it was a gun. Doesn't sound clean. And then this little device. What? Spraying. <laughs> clean? That doesn't sound clean. <laughs> no. Always no. with a potty mouth. Uh, we'll save that for the farmer episode. So... It was a gun with a little device. What is that device called? I, I, I'm sure I could Google it. The, the, the thing that made it... Power supply. Gave it a charge. The, the transformer? Yeah, sure. The transformer. But it was for powder coating. It's specific to powder coating. And then he was using a barbecue smoker. Was that an electric smoker? Mm-hmm. 110. Yeah. So he was using this electric smoker to cook this stuff. It was, it was brilliant. Yeah. So one of the things that happened with you know posting videos is that... People say, well, that's great, but I don't have any place where I can plug in 220. And I said, all right, well, let's see what we can find. And, you know, Eastwood sells, you know, this tiny little toaster oven. And I was like, man, that's, you can't do anything with that. You know, it's junk. And so not, not to say that it was junk. It just was made for smaller items. And uh, so I started looking for something that would do the job. And I found a couple of smokers that would reach 400 degrees. And if I insulate them, they'll go even above that or they'll do it much quicker. So that, that's what I brought up to uh, Maker Camp. And, you know, it's like, I don't know, 100, when I bought it, I think it was about 120. I think they're about 180 now. All in, all the different things that I have without, you know, the actual powder, probably about $350 you can get into powder coating. And, and really, even, mm-hmm. the, even the, the 
little uh, shelter that I have that pops up out of uh, folded up. It's like the same kind of deal like you use for your windshields, you know, those little spring-loaded fabric yeah, things you put it's in. Like a kid, it's like a kid's tent. Like a kid's tent, yeah. You could actually use, you could probably buy a cheap kid's tent. Yeah, I think Rockler sells them, uh, not sponsored. And I, I wouldn't recommend them. I don't recommend them. Amazon, not sponsored. <laughs> and uh, and HomeRite makes them. Anyway, so they're just little spring-loaded shelters uh, for, like, painting, spray paint. Super cheap, super compact. You can put them away. Prior to that, though, I just had a cardboard box that I put up with a fan on the back. Right. Just a big cardboard box that probably Amazon shipped a uh, two-ounce bottle of paint in. <laughs> Sounds about right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> four by four, right. by four foot tall. You know, and, and I just put a fan, like a 20-inch fan on the back of it uh, with a filter, and it worked great. But it didn't look, you know, I, I ended up building my own powder coating booth out of uh, uh, melamine. Which I thought would be great. It's not the best. There's got to be some other material that's even better than melamine. Because the powder gets into the little pores. And then it never looks clean again. It just... So, if I if I was to redo it, I wouldn't do melamine. If I was doing video. It doesn't matter what if you're if not you doing powder video. Coat, what if you powder coat your booth? I considered that. It'd be hard getting that in the oven. I considered that. I just couldn't, I just couldn't get a... I couldn't get a four foot by six foot booth into <laughs> into my oven. So That's true. Right. That's true. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. So I could, see, I could see that being an issue. I, I have I have a solution for that, which I'll talk about when it's my turn. But but keep going. So it's your turn. You could just use the box from your smoker. Yeah. As your as your booth after you've bought the smoker to use as your oven. There you go. Ooh. Actually, it's Tanda's turn. Tom, come on, don't don't skip her. It's not nice. Tanda, what's your personal history with uh with powder coating? I you know I've been sitting here trying to think why I bought my powder coating gun. And I don't even remember what the first thing was. There was something that I, it was probably some little weldment or something that I wanted to to powder coat. And I just bought the Harbor Freight gun and it lasted me for years. It broke a, oh, a couple months ago, but it worked fine. You know, just did it, you know, like you, I just set up a piece of cardboard or something when I was powder coating as a little guard to keep the powder from going everywhere. I set, I used a, a convection oven. Just one of those, like, really cheap. I think I got it on sale at, like, an end cap on at Walmart or something for, uh, you know, it was like 28 bucks or something for, you know, the cheapest convection oven they had. Uh, so it was bigger than a toaster oven. It might be maybe right. 20 inches by 13 by, you know, 12 or 13 deep. It worked just fine. I think I took the controls off and just hooked up, you know, hooked uh, my own electrical little... Uh, like a watt low controller up to the heating elements and yeah actually i if i'd have found that that probably what my video would have been on that would have been an excellent choice for that size it would work great for you know because at the time i was doing all my videos on cups that would have been a great choice when i yeah when i first did it just with a little toaster oven that's a little too small it's like the eastwood coater it's just a little bit too small if you were doing like the ornaments you you were doing at the maker camp that would have worked fine. But anything bigger, like a cup or a tumbler or something, and you can't, when you're powder coating, you kind of have to be really gentle with the part before it gets set up. And so if you try to kind of tilt it sideways or move it around or something, you're in danger of scraping it. But, and I've also powder coated on an electric skillet. Uh, I was just doing the face of some medallions and stuff so that I could see the powder flow and because I wasn't doing the back. Was that a badge for a car or something? 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that was a few years ago. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I just sprayed the front of them. They turned out they turned out really nice. And then I laid I laid them on a griddle and then I just watched them until the powder started to flow and then like you were doing with the cups, well, I, it was kind of this multi-step process. So I powder coated them and then I put and then I put tape on them and I lasered away everything except where the the tape was protecting the powder. And then I powder coated them again with a different color. And then I, and then I set that back on the griddle and let it set up until it just started to flow and then peeled the tape off. And then I came back and lasered through the powder again, back down to the aluminum. So I had two colors of powder and silver. I think that was the point where I realized just how smart you are. Cause I, <laughs> you know, like I met you at WorkbenchCon whatever, five years ago and you know, we talked and, and, you know, it was like, you were one of the first people I met that I didn't know. You know, I followed you on Instagram as a result and there was things you were doing, but I was like, well, I don't, I don't really delve into that. So I don't know how hard that is or anything, but when you were doing the powder coating and then you were doing like the multi-layer stuff, I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's next level. That's pretty smart, you know, to come up with that, like copying it, like doing it after you've done it. I'm like, oh, okay, I could do that. But like to come up with a concept you know, I was like, oh, wow, that's really smart. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know what the hardest part of that was, was not, um, I mean, it was pretty much the same process you were using. I just did it twice was the registration mm-hmm. to put it back on the laser, the same exactly, exactly. because it was a, a perfectly round medallion. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up machining the medallions with a little nub on the side so that I could put them in a little template on the laser oh, okay. and it had this little clocking nub on it. And then I just lasered a spot, you know, lasered a little jig that just stayed on the laser the whole time I was doing it. With and then I could put little... that, and then I could put that little clocking nub in the same spot every time. And then when I was completely done with them, I filed off that little, oh wow, that little nub. But that was the, the trickiest thing to, to run them through the process and then be able to put them back on the laser in the same spot and that was just because they were round i mean if they were some odd shape then it wouldn't have been a problem you know it's funny when you use a tool like as versatile as a laser and you use it for one thing like i just do probably 90 percent of what i do is just cup type stuff you know and you know i have to come up with like all kinds of um different you know like things like this to make a cup work and this is basically a 3d printed jig to right allow it to fit on a particular type of cup so that it'll work in the rotor but he's, he's holding up a little a little thing that just looks like an end cap like a like you like i don't know like a, like, like, a a PVC, like a pvc pipe end cap that you can put on the cup to hold it and turn it in the rotary table exactly but i get kind of one-dimensional thinking right so i don't think about like how to do jigs for so the the current thing that i have to do is these business card holders right and they're stainless steel, and I've got to do, I don't know, 20 of them. Well, it's super, like, if I do them one at a time, that's super easy, but it's very labor-intensive time-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I do 20 at a time, it's not that big a deal. You you know, you prep all the stuff in the software, you cut out a template, then you go back and you set all the cards in there, or uh, all the card holders in there, and then you laser it all at once. That's, you know really low intensity as far as right. labor the setup time's longer but once you have that template you can re you know reuse that template in the future for any time you're using that that product and if if i was to pursue that i would definitely do it that way 
because um, the setup time is going to be longer. But, you know, I didn't I don't think about that kind of stuff. I just think one at a time, one at a time, one at a time, you know. Oh, that's that's funny that you say that, because I can't count the number of things I've run through my laser. And I've been like, when am I ever going to do this again? I'm just going to keep grinding this out. I'm just going to do them one at a time, you know, the whole time thinking, you know, I could make a template that would do this. But in another hour and a half, I'm going to be gone, done and and I'll be working, I'll work on something else and I'll just change it out every time it gets done. So I've put a lot of things through my laser the whole time thinking, oh, this would be a lot easier with the template, but I don't want to make the template. Yeah, pencils, pens, you, you name it. You can make a template, drop the stuff in. I know this is way off the powder coating stuff, but yeah, it's, lasers are so versatile, but they're, you know, you can get to a point where you're so one dimensional with it because you do the same thing all the time that you don't see all the possibilities. So like doing those medallions where you had powder coated medallions, I'm like, what the heck? How would you do that? You know? And then, you know, here you, you just gave the secret away. It's that registration nub that you sanded off. Yeah. Lasers are super versatile. When they came to my shop, kind of asking around for what they should buy for the makerspace, I said, just if you to buy one tool for the makerspace, buy a laser. They're handy to have about. Here, I'm gonna give you a, a secret behind the scenes. Uh oh. Yeah, let, let's 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 skip that there because they can't see it there, Chad. I used to work for a, that place. That's weird. Yeah. I, that, I, that, did same, everybody same catch name, that? Same name, same name, different uh, <laughs> different company. Viewers. I'm sure. Did you did you see everything in Chad's workshop? Everybody did. Okay. Yeah, everybody saw that. Hey, nobody's supposed to see it. Everybody did. My ten thousand dollar table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see it. I closed my eyes. But uh, anyway. PJ, you ever do any powder coating? Yeah. What's your experience with powder coating, PJ? My experience is is, vi- is just vast. I have so much powder coating experience. You wouldn't believe oh. me if I told you everything. So let me try to fit it in. I'm going to go to the bathroom then. Yeah. Tanda's, the Tanda's leaving because, you know, we only had like a four-hour pre-show. So... I got it into my head. I, I was a big bicycle, you know, gearhead for quite some time, and I still have a decent-sized collection of bicycles. But I had one in particular that was a old. It was a collegiate Schwinn, and I'd got it while I was living out in the Hamptons. It was in rough condition because of the sea salt air, and I really wanted to kind of restore it. And powder coating seemed like the best way to do that. So I thought, you know what? I can powder coat this bicycle frame if I was to make like a big oven. Like I'd have to make like a custom. So I had this idea in my head of taking stove, like electric stove elements and building them into a box, like Mm -hmm. a wood box that's got like a metal liner in it so that it wouldn't catch fire. And basically making like this big upright oven with a... Uh, like a swing out arm that you could hang the bike from powder coat it and then just swing it inside and then just lock the whole thing up. And I even had it to where the oven was modular. So you could have it be like a thin, like let's say like an eight inch profile for a bicycle frame, but then you could take the door off and then put on an extension and then put the door back on and, and turn it into like, like a two foot oven if you needed to put something bigger in there and I had all these plans and then I, and then I never did it. It, <laughs> oh. it never, never happened. So, uh, but uh, I did learn a lot of different things about powder coating. 
For instance, if you'd like to chrome plate something, but you don't have $200 to chrome plate something, you can powder coat it in chrome and it looks 90% like actual chrome. So that's more like 85. Okay, maybe 85. I, I don't know. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's close. <laughs> you know, it's pretty close. And the other thing, which I was going to share when we were talking about powder coating your spray booth there, is a very cool technique. One of the first things that I learned when I was looking on YouTube videos. If you've got a big item that is either stationary or won't fit in an oven, you can do what's known as hot flocking which is where you heat up the thing that you want to powder coat until it's good and hot. And then you basically just throw the powder coat on it and it just melts right away. Yep. And there's a little bit of skill involved, but I saw these guys that were doing it that basically look like plumbers. So if they could do it, you know, pretty much anybody could do it. That's all I'm saying. It's not that hard. You just need a little practice. But yeah, you can, uh, you can use a torch, heat something up, and, uh, you know, a little bit of creativity. You can hot flock something. It might not be perfect, but, you know, a little practice, it could be manageable. And uh, Eastwood was who I was looking at for a lot of the supplies and stuff, and I watched a lot of their videos. And they are not too far from me in Pennsylvania. And by not too far, I mean like, I don't know, hour and a half, two hours. You know, they're they're relatively close. But I never actually pulled the trigger literally on it because really I think it was just a money thing. I think at the time... I want to say that the more expensive of the two guns was like $200 and they were constantly out of stock. Like they had they had one gun that was like a single voltage and then they had one that was a dual voltage. And if you know anything about me, I am an options guy. Even if I'm never going to use the option, I need all the options. So I, I only wanted the dual voltage gun and it was just always out of stock. And then, and then if what it wasn't stock, it was too expensive. I didn't have the money at the time or whatever it was. Was that like four or five years ago? Uh, yeah, about that. Yeah, about four or five years yeah. ago. Some guy uh, put be- because of videos on videos. YouTube. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's your fault. Unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't have any affiliate links. So Eastwood, don't recommend. I'm just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not paid. And we don't recommend them. Right. I. I, I wish I wish I could have some kind of deal with them, but they just don't do it. They'll give you they'll give you product. They have given me product. Uh, I don't actually all of the product they've given me. I've always given away, so I don't really have anything from them personally that they've given me. They're generous with product. They'll give you product as a creator, but they will not give you any affiliate links. And I think what happened was they had a they got burned by by a creator, and they just said that's it. We're not doing that anymore. Sidebar, Tanda, Tom, he just said yep. that he gave away everything that Eastwood gave him. But yet 20 minutes ago, he said he had every single tool he'd ever gotten and he never gave away anything. I, I think there's a little inconsistency in Chad's story here. Are you guys picking up on this? He's, he's telling uh, whatever version he wants. I hear it. I, well, he, he did say he's got every tool he, he ever bought so maybe if it was given to him he's okay with giving it away so that could that could be um he's, he's okay with regifting. people give me tools i still have them you know those are usually the ones i keep just i'm just saying just just pointing it out you know he seems like he's all goody goody and then we find out oh it's a big glaring mistake 
Yeah. Right there's there, a, you know. There's a big integrity issue here. I don't know. We'll yeah, see. that's exactly what I'm talking about. I, I, I personally, oh, this is killing him. I love this. I think it's the beard. So bad. It's definitely the beard. Oh, oh, look, look. He's done He's done combing his beard. <clears throat> that That's fascinating, Chad. I had no idea they gave away that much product. So in fairness to me, the products <laughs> that they gave me was intentional to give away. It was, it was a part of a giveaway, so... Yeah, I wouldn't give away something they gave me to use in a video. I, I would keep that. Kind of coming back around to the dual voltage guns. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? For my original gun, just had the one voltage. Now I go use the powder coater at the makerspace, which is really nice because you can just set the voltage. So yeah, the more uh, so they have what are called um, there's spaces on a on a part sometimes. So like on a cup, it's not a big deal, but like on a part where there's holes or corners or edges where I, I think the technical term are, are nooks and crannies those are those are english muffin terms <laughs> nooks and crannies but that's still not the word i was looking for i think that's an english yeah i think those those, those are metric terms i want to say corona or something there's some sort of technical term for areas where the powder just wants to resist going so like if you're doing a cover for a motor or something like that and it has all those corners and gaps and holes and all that if you wanted powder in those areas it would be a very difficult area for the powder to go and by changing the kv or the the kilovolts whatever they uh, have it's like it'll it will allow it to go into those areas i haven't you know i have the dual voltage gun and that's what i've always used for the most part and i also have a couple other guns that i've purchased over the years and it's funny. I have I have a much more expensive. So the the one I bought the Eastwood Dual Voltage. I think even today it's like around 120 uh, on sale. It might be less. But the I, like, I have one that's like 900. dollars It's a really nice gun, but I never use it because the the work it takes to change change the colors for me is mm-hmm. you know. And I'm not doing like 50 of something. I'm doing one change colors. Do one change colors. Do one. And is it so, one of the ones that feeds the color all the way through the tube? And then you yeah. have to clean out the whole tube? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a nice gun, and it does a great job. And if I'm doing something with four or five layers, it's it's the go-to. But uh, when I – basically, I have it set up for clear coat. So if I'm ever doing anything that needs a clear coat, I have that. I flip it on, and I just do the clear coat with that. Uh, but if I'm doing something that has four or five colors, then I'm obviously going to – have to uh, go to the effort of using that. But I just don't, I don't do, well, A, I don't powder coat nearly as much as I used to, but I don't do a lot of multicolor or multi-coat jobs. So I don't need that higher end system. As far as like the finish, if I'm doing one coat, I mean, if I put them side by side, you might be able to tell the difference, but I would say most people probably wouldn't know. I would know. I'm just saying. You probably would. Everybody got much. Yeah, I would. I would know. Much higher attention to detail than the average person. It's so funny because nobody's harder on their own work. I mean, nobody's harder on the work you do. <laughs> that was the nicest way anybody's called you a pain in the <laughs> PJ. It's all right. I'm going to bleep that out anyway, Tom. No, but you know. <laughs> 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 but no, seriously. Like when you're doing something, don't you like? Aren't you much more hypercritical of your work? that you're going to give to a customer or sell to a customer. Oh yeah. Then the customer ever is like the customer would look at it and they go, Oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I'm like, Oh, well, you know, there's this, 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 and this, you know, I don't, you know, 
I, you know, you're not happy with it, but they're super happy with it. I've but, had I've had to learn to not point those things out to customers. You know, somebody was like, "You idiot! Don't don't do that. They don't care." But I'm like, "No, I got, I've got to reveal, you know, anything before they see it." So, for instance, like when you're doing something like you're lasering a cup, right? And I'm trying to center it over the Yeti, and mm-hmm. you center it up, and you have it all lined up in the laser, and then it runs, and you pull it out, and it's off by, you know. I don't know, an eighth of an inch or a sixteenth of an inch, I can tell, like immediately, I look at it, and I, oh my gosh. But I have never had a customer once say, this is off center. <laughs> and never, never once. And I'm just like, yeah, waiting for that time. But And it's not something that I made them. No, no, the Yeti's off center. That's what I tell them. They, they actually, they yeah, put the Yeti wrong not... on the cup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I, I go the complete opposite direction, the Chad, than, than what you're talking about. When I when I do something and I sell it to somebody, I'm like, this is better than you deserve. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. You would. Yeah. You would. Basically. That's actually, yeah. I, I like that. It's a good sales technique. Yeah. You, yeah. you don't even deserve an igloo. Yeah, I was, was a, totally off topic. Uh, there was a, um, I was bidding on a, um, a Delta tool catalog on eBay and uh, some guy had it up for twenty bucks, and it was had a torn cover. So I offered him ten. He came back with fourteen. So then I offered him eight. <laughs> you know. And then he's like, he's like, I don't want it. Then he he declined. So I'm like, yeah, I don't want your torn cover either. That's why I offered you ten. So that's how it goes. Oh, that's that's a good skill to have, and I use it when I'm dealing with people that I don't have an emotional attachment to. It's basically everybody, pretty much everybody. Well, you know, nine, 99 out of 100. Well, sucky darn, I think it's time for one of them old-timey commercial interludes and stuff. Hi, y'all. This is Edna down at Johnson's Hardware. Are you looking to get into powder coating on a budget? Well, we have just the thing for you. Crazy Carl's Crafty Coater. Crazy Carl's Crafty Coater comes as a kit. And with our low static, low temp powder, it's easier than ever. What you do is you take the balloon out of your kit and you tie the wire onto the string. After you've blown up the balloon, put on the included sweater and rub the balloon to create a charge. And then attach the alligator clip to whatever it is you want to coat. Then grab a handful of the Crafty Carl powder and throw it on the item that you're trying to coat and it'll stick like glue. And since the powder's low temp, you can just set it out on your car hood and it'll bake right on. Don't use Crafty Curl powder coating for butter, cats, lemons, or children under seven and a half. The kit just costs $1.72 and if you've grown up through the top of your hair like some gentlemen have, you can use your beard or a rug or even a dog to charge the balloon. You'll find us at patreon.com forward slash makerskills. What the heck, Nabbit? I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. All right, it's time for crossbreeding. Chad, what skill goes well with powder coating? Wow, if I said, I think probably uh, two skills. Welding. Chad, 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 Chad. Sidebar. Sidebar, Chad. Go. What's the second skill? Well, I was going to say 2D or 3... 2D... Drawing? Digital digital production using a laser. Okay, perfect. Perfect. When we go back, tell them, never mind, I only had one. I'm going to use that. Thanks, man. Which one? 
Uh, I'll use the 2D uh, CAD stuff. That'll be great. Thanks. Thanks for doing that for me. Oh, oh, uh, PJ and Tanda are back. Here, here, do your thing. Okay, so the real thing is... No, he did it. Okay. Yeah, sorry, man. My bad. I should have called Tanda into the sidebar, too. (laughs) Wait a minute, you just had a sidebar? sidebar. All right, so so welding goes well with uh with powder coating. Uh, exactly, how does welding go well, Chad? What do you, what is that? What is that? Uh, doesn't seem like it. Well, you could you could weld something up and then powder coat it. All right, I'll allow that. I'll allow that. It's probably better than anything Tom's going to come up That's with. Tom, answer. what 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 skill goes well with powder coating? Oh man, I got a doozy. Two uh, D CAD designing in like Inkscape or Illustrator. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. Oh, that is a good one. That, I'm surprised you came up with that. Abnormally better than most of your answers. What what, what are you gonna do? 3D print something and then powder coat it? That, that what temperature what temperature do 3D prints melt at? Doesn't even seem like something you would say, Tom. Uh if you use like nylon X, it's that's like four hundred C. Yeah, it's a good answer, right? I came up with that all on my own. Oh, I'm very surprised. That is a good answer. Okay. I'll I'll allow that there. Tanda, uh, what skill goes well with powder coating? I'm going to say 3D printing is a skill that goes what? goes well with powder coating. Why because, exactly? Uh, well, because they're both plastic. And so, uh, you know, if you powder coat a little metal something and then you attach some 3D printed parts, then it just looks like one plastic thing or, or one powder coated thing. So it works well. I like that. Uh, I need an example, Tanda. Does, I don't know what, what exactly. So if you want to, so I made, uh, I made uh, effects pedals hmm. for some... Uh, folks at the makerspace or one particular person that was making effects pedals of course you did and so i made really simple enclosures by just taking a piece of square tube or rectangular tube dicing it up into little like four inch or five inch chunks of square tube so if you just picture like taking some steel tube uh, thin wall tubing cut it up into four or five inch lengths powder coat them some bright color and 3D print end caps for it that hold your circuit board and snap on as end caps, and you've got effects pedals. Okay, so, hmm. Okay. sure. Yeah, 3D printing. That, that sounds... That was a lot to have to justify. Yeah. That, that works, that works, that works. I like it. I was thinking that you were powder coating the things you 3D printed, which was a 285 Fahrenheit for 3D printing and 400 for, for powder coating. Celsius. No, what it, powder coating? Is, oh no, I've been using the I've been using the crazy Carl's powder coating coat. system. Oh yeah, yeah low, low yeah. temperature. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. That makes sense. That sun. totally makes yeah. sense. Yeah, the crafty coater it works great. Wait, hold on a second though. PETG melts at like four fifty five. Oh, then it's possible. So you could use a low temp powder. No, but it, but you, right, but you the, have to find a way to get it to uh, hold the powder. Now the glass. It's not the glass transition phase. What's the... Just heat it up. Preheat it. Preheat it. Mm, yeah, you could preheat it. Yeah, the glass transition temperature is significantly less. That's 85C. What's that? Under 200 degrees? Yeah, it may not work. You'll have a puddle of perfectly coated plastic. Oh, it'd just be a little wobbly. It will be a little wobbly. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you said? <laughs> this derailment brought to you by Infinite Craftsman. Please go to infinitecraftsman.com for any products. Not a sponsor. <laughs> not sponsored and I, and I don't recommend them and i don't recommend and not a them. patreon supporter no not even that no, no. barely shows up for work 
But if you're one of Tom's patrons, you you may get something. I don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> Some deformed gremlin. A 3D printed, powder coated. Yeah. You'll get my after show that I do solo after this one every week. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you have guests? <laughs> oh, man, we're never going to finish this, are we? He has ghosts. That's what he's got. Hey, PJ, what's a skill that goes well with powder coating? Cooking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cooking goes well with powder coating. Oh, you can coating. get out now. Yeah. You can just go. Yeah. Well, you don't yeah. like my answer, Tom? Cooking or baking? No, I never do, though. I d- don't, don't recommend using the same oven for both. It's probably a bad idea. Oh no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm doing a, I'm doing a video on that. No, I'm talking about cooking. Like if you have skills cooking, you know how to use an oven. You know you're used to to making food and stuff. That's the same thing as powder coating. You know you got to put stuff in the oven to cook it. Man, it's 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 identical. So if, if you can't cook, you're definitely not going to be able to cure that powder coating. It's just it's like identical. I would have I would have accepted, I would have even accepted changing a baby's diaper goes better with powder coating than cooking than cooking you know i've i've tried to get them we've got one of the uh columbia coatings ovens at the makerspace the one of the huge ones um it's probably four foot by five foot by seven feet deep something like that propane fired monster i've tried to get them to fill it with chocolate chip cookies i think that'd be a good idea just (laughs) wheel racks and racks and racks of chocolate chip cookies in there and you know when you're done you could just you, have wait, like barrels, say, barrels of chocolate chip cookies. It'd be wonderful. Double chocolate chip. What's the Guinness record for cooking cookies? I, I don't know. know. That's an excellent question. I could tell you what the record in my house is for eating cookies. Somebody's got to eat them. That's all I'm thinking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. The most, I got it. I have the answer. The most cookies baked in one hour is 6,018 and it was achieved by Frank. Not going to say that last name. I have no idea. Uh, and baking memories for kids, both USA. Oh, you'd have to beat like a charity out, so maybe not a good idea. I know Frank. PR. Hey, right here in West Nyack, New York. Our makerspace is a nonprofit. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, then you can beat kids. That's cool. <laughs> you should never beat children. <laughs> Maker Skills does not does not um, recommend that kind of condone. actions. We don't we don't condone oh um, beating beating children. Just saying. Unless it's the fifty yard dash. Even then, even then. Yes. We're, we're, we're gonna say we're gonna say no. It's probably not a good idea. <laughs> and now it's time for Give Me Your Best Guest. Yeah. All right, Chad, you're a guest, and we know that your your dominant skill is powder coating, or at least that's what you're claiming. But we want to know, what are your top five skills? So what is number two in your tool chest of skills that you go to? Welding. Welding. Oh, that goes well with powder coating. It, it, I, somebody told me that, yeah. I'm a certified welder, five five different certifications. Are you really? Mm-hmm. That's sweet. Well, did they that. do that as part of the class you were taking? Yeah, that was part of the class. I went to a Georgia Trade School. Not uh, not sponsored? Not sponsored, no. Not sponsored. Well, schools are okay. <laughs> you, you can say it. That's all right. But I would recommend them, yeah. Yeah. Georgia Trade School is good. It's a good, it's a good school. Uh, I got five certifications. I did a lot of stick welding initially, and then I kind of went off on my own after that. They were very lenient with me because, you know, social media. But uh, I did a lot of TIG welding because I really wanted to improve my TIG welding skills. And they had a couple of instructors there that were just like TIG gods. So it was it was a good place for me to really hone my TIG welding skills. Mm. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's uh, very cool. We all need some certifications, I think, especially Tom. So, uh, what is uh, what is skill number three? Three would be digital fabrication using lasers, plasma cutters. Uh, those both marry very well with powder coating. 
because you can powder coat a piece of metal, put it in a laser, and remove that powder to create a design that you want. Uh, and then I have a plasma CNC that I use. Again, I'm bigger on 2D because it's much more simple than 3D. But the plasma cutter will cut out a piece of metal and then I can powder coat it and create a nice piece of sellable artwork or utilitarian thing. Now, were you into that prior to doing the powder coating stuff or did you pick that up because of it? Picked it up because of it. Yeah, totally. I didn't even know that a laser existed probably. And and the plasma cutter, like I said earlier, JD from... Apex-ish. 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 Apex welding. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've only done a video in his shop, so I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Um, yeah, JD and I are good friends, <laughs> and I got to go over there and do a video with uh, Jody from Welding Tips and Tricks. Until I had seen a plasma cutter in Jody's shop, or in JD's shop, I had no idea what a plasma cutter was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been trying Super to get cool. some plasma scissors for the longest time. They're, they're really hard to find. I like everything you said. We're going to move on to number four. What is skill four? Wood turning? Oh, I didn't know you were a turner. I am a turner. I did not know that either. I have a I have a video, 12 mistakes I made while turning this cup. Something like that. You turn it left, you turn it right. <laughs> one one cup. Right. One cup? Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. 12 mistakes. I'm, I'm going to bet the first one was it was filled with liquid and you turned it upside down. No, no. It was uh, actually a log and it came off, it came off the, the uh, lathe and hit me in the head. Not, almost knocked me out. Ouch. Yeah. Oh, that, well, that, um, that's that gives good. you an excuse for at least two of the others. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Probably all nine. Anyway, that's it. Yeah. The good old the, days. The good old days. How So how long have you been turning? I mean, is that something you've been doing for years and years or? No, you know, it's, it's funny. I actually, I want to say I kind of got into the maker community and there was a couple of people that were wood turners. I think Jamie Page from mm-hmm. JP Woodwork and... I think Izzy had just gotten a, a lathe, and I, I don't know I don't know who else. There's a couple other people. Maybe Mark Saunders had influenced me a little bit. And I bought a lathe, and they were doing a cup challenge, and that was the first. It was the first real project I did. I turned a couple of things, like the handle on my wood turning tools. I basically replicated that. Uh, for, that was actually the very first thing I turned. And I was like, wow, this isn't so bad. I can do this. And then when I decided to do that cup, I was going to replicate the 20-ounce Yeti cup. And it came out close as far as looks. But, I mean, it was it was, uh, it was was not something that I should have delved into for my, like, second or third wood-turning project. But I've done a lot of pens. I've done wine, uh, wine stoppers. You know, they're kits you buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the bottom part, and then you you would turn the actual decorative part. I made a couple of uh, fire poker sticks where I made the handles, and then the fire pokers made a rebar where I welded it up and you know shaped the ends of it uh, to make it a nice po- fire poker like you'd use for a fireplace, but they were for fire pits. And I've given those out as gifts. I haven't sold any of those. I haven't tried to, but I actually just got an email from somebody who saw one of my old posts and said, "Hey, can you se- can you sell me one of these?" I'm like, I'm not going to ship this thing across the country. And it turns out they're here in Atlanta, and I'm going to do one for myself. <laughs> and, and, one is a, and one is a Christmas gift, so I thought, you know, what's three, right? So uh, I'm going to be doing a wood-turning slash welding project, and I'm going to actually sell one of the three. Well, you may as well laser it as well, just uh, to 
get the yeah. trifecta there. Why not? Why not? I, I like that. I like that. The guy's like, hey, can you make me one of these? And he's like, I'm not going to ship this. And the guy's like, I'm in your house. <laughs> well, and and that was definitely, you know, a reason to make the decision to make that third one. So Just set it on the doorstep. I'll come by and pick it up. <laughs> you know what's mm-hmm. funny is you don't have any idea how many people have just showed up at my house to look at one of my lasers. I mean, not just showed up like out of the blue. I knew they were coming, but <laughs> probably I probably had 10 visitors in the last two years. Okay, this, this brings up a question that you just kind of let slip there. How many lasers do you have, Chad? Uh, well, that's a good question. So I have two... 100 watt lasers big lasers they're like five by four feet in size down here and then recently i acquired two smaller what is that called it's not a fiber it's the co2 it's side si- sidebar pj pj yeah tom pj tom yeah yeah uh, yeah it, he's collecting them in twos mm-hmm. he's got a big he's got a big gray beard mm-hmm. there could be some kind of like blood or something coming and he's gonna yeah. like save the maker verse mm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting that vibe too yeah. are you are you thinking that yeah yeah should we ask him what he named them oh oh yeah know. that might be a clue it might be a clue we have to pump yeah. him for more information or yeah or if he's making anything that floats i don't know maybe we should just let it go and just kind of keep an eye on him i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna double down on watching his instagram stuff to see if he starts collecting up other stuff and and starts doing anything unusual. That that beard, I thought he was going Santa with that beard of his, but now yeah. I'm thinking maybe it's Salty Sea Captain. That's that's yeah, that's yeah. definitely I think more. That's, yeah, yeah, that's we what misjudged it is. him. We misjudged him on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I okay. think I see one of those brass telescopes in the background, the collapsible kind. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I see it in the shop right next to the paint cans. Yep. Okay. There. Oh, there he is. He's back. He's he's been grooming his beard a lot. Yes, I have so, been. CO2 laser was that what you were, you were thinking there? Yeah, I've got I've got no, I've got 200 watt CO2 lasers. Those are the the big lasers capable of a lot. And then I've recently acquired two diode lasers. They're okay. the ones that they're blue when they cut and they're much lower in power, but I'm not quite sure what the equivalency is because the 10 watt, I mean it'll it'll actually mark wood really well. And the 20 watt, which is uh, two 10 watt lasers combined into one to give it 20 watts, it'll cut up to six millimeters or a quarter inch for your uh, European listeners, six millimeters. Mm-hmm. Um, but in wood? Yeah, it'll cut wood, a six millimeter. I couldn't believe it. What? Yeah. And it, and it's like, I don't know, it's like three or $400. It's not that expensive. And I thought, dang, man, you know, if you wanted to start a little business, this little thing is solid. Hmm. So I might have to look into that because I I have I have been semi interested in lasers, but I've I've not you know price point wise and size wise I've always kind of been pushed back a little bit as far as functionality. You know, it seemed like the more you pay, the better the laser was. But well, you know, it depends. If you just want to do two dimensional stuff, one of these little diode lasers. It, a lot of people add diode lasers to their CNCs, and I thought, oh man, that's you know combining something that's very slow with something that's capable of being much faster. And it just didn't seem like a good combo to me. But, you know, a laser doesn't have any torsion, right? So it doesn't need to be built like a CNC where it's actually taking a big beating. So I've got this, it's upstairs in my dining room, sitting on the dining room table right now. I've got I've got one, it's a cantilevered laser that's, mm-hmm. it takes up a space about 
about shoulder width, you know, maybe 20, 30 inches. No, it's not even 30. It's probably, it's probably more like 15 inches wide by 15 inches. Hmm. That's the space it takes up. So you can't do like huge projects with it. Cause obviously the laser area that it's going to laser is a lot smaller, but I have another one that I got that's a little bit bigger. It's about two feet by two feet. So say 20 by 20 is your laser area. And that's the 20 watt. And it's, it's more like, you know, like a regular CNC with, you know, parallel supports instead of a cantilevered support. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I was amazed at what, even that smallest one, if you go to my TikTok, it's one of my most recent videos where I just, I cut a square, not, not, not anything, you know, amazing, but that was the first thing that I actually lasered on it. And I mean, it was like a $200 laser. Oh, and if it's on your dining room table, then uh, you, if you laser a little out of focus, it's great for toast. You can make toast with it. Yeah. Or at least you could put your logo on toast. What is that one? Yeah. Chad, what is that one? That's a Niji 2S, I think. Niji? How do you spell that? Yeah, N-E-J-E. I, I think that's 2S. Egyptian for Neja. 2S Neja. Max. That's Neja. So, so I heard you kind of double back several times. Is that four lasers total, Chad? Actually, I got one more. You got, one, you got five. Yeah, I got another one. I think it's like a 5-watt laser or something I bought years ago, and I haven't really used it that much. I bought it so I could make a video. I mean, <laughs> y- you got me beat on, on lasers, man. I, I've got a laser pointer that I, I picked up at my discount store, and that works fantastic for pointing and stuff. But I got to tell you, as collections go, I mean, 5.5 five is not that big. I got 24 drill presses over here, so, I mean, you're going to have to – you got a lot of work to catch up. I'm just saying. I think – I think I have 24 screwdrivers. Oh, don't don't get me started on screwdrivers. I have a laser. I have a laser printer. <laughs> oh, that's better I mean, than the I pointer. I didn't count. I didn't count that. I stopped with the inkjet. <laughs> I, every time you use an inkjet, the inkjets are empty. So I was like, "That's it. I'm buying a laser printer." <laughs> they go empty too, Chad. Just just so you know, you know. Not from just sitting there. Laser printers are the powder coaters of the printing world. That's that is true. exactly right. They are. That's they my are. fifth skill: laser printing. My fifth skill, <laughs> 2D digital digital fabrication. Wait a second. Did he say lasering twice? Is, that, is he trying to double back on something? No, I think that he said 2D design was, uh, was okay, one of his yeah. skills okay. that got us off on the lasering. So. All right. Okay, Chad. I thought you were trying to slip one by, but uh, we'll, we'll let that pass. We'll let that pass. <laughs> was that our best guess? I don't know, but it was a guest. All right, it's time for short and sweet. We're going to wrap up this segment before we go to the secret segment. Chad, it's the end of the show. Do you have anything you want to say? I just really appreciate you guys having me on. It was a joy to be able to talk with you all. PJ, I know we met once before, probably about four years ago. We probably didn't get to talk that much. More recently, I saw both Tanda and Tom at Maker Camp, and it's good to see them both again as well. Uh, just, you know, I can't say enough. I really appreciate you guys having me on. So, so um, thank you. You kind of glanced, you glanced over it, but yeah, I'll, thanks. I'll, uh, why are you guys trying to talk over me? It's not, not polite. You, you try to glance over the fact that I didn't know who you were when we met at Maker Fair in like 2018. <laughs> so Chad was with Paul Jackman and Graz and I, I think pretty sure Graz was there and uh, Pat, Pat Lap was there. It was a whole bunch of them all together right before we went into this uh, panel where I believe like Joel Telling and Bob from I Like to Make Stuff was giving a talk and Chad's there wearing a man crafting shirt but at that point 
he had not like he wasn't doing a lot of stuff where you saw his face. You saw a lot of his like, tumblers and all this other stuff. So I just thought he was some guy that was a man crafting fan. Had no idea that it was you. And I, I just, there's just like, oh, look, he's, he's really popular. And that was it. We never talked. <laughs> That's funny because I was a fan. Oh, uh, my bad. My bad. Oh, yeah. Biggest, biggest <laughs> fan. I like the, uh, I think I heard you, I don't know if you uh, talked about it in person, but just kind of the history of the man crafting name. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, well, I don't say a lot of people. I've had a few comments over time about, well, does this mean that women can't do it? And the reality is it had nothing to do with that when it came up. I, I had my best friend over and we were working in my dining room right before Christmas and we were using a Cricut vinyl cutter and we were, you know, doing all the cups with the Cricut, uh, you know, the vinyl. And then we were taping them up and we were going out and sandblasting them. And uh, my wife and his wife were both in our uh, living room. They weren't too involved in it at that point. And his wife said, Oh, look at our boys doing their arts and crafts. And I, I was like, boys, I got really kind of like, you know, put out. I was like, no, we're not boys. We're using a sandblaster. This is manly arts and crafts. And then my buddy said, yeah, we're man crafting. And that's where the name came from. As soon as it came out of his mouth, like I immediately was on the internet to see if anybody had it. And I got it trademarked, and uh, that's, that's where it started. If you actually look at my logo, a lot of people think that it's a welder on there. But if you look real close, it's actually a sandblaster. And that was the origin. That's my origin story. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I remember you telling that at the first Workbench Con. And yeah. I just thought that was a great story. So I thought it would be good to share it with our listeners. I, I've thought about changing my last name to M-A-N-N. Just so I could say, <laughs> well, I'm man, Chad Mann, man crafting. It makes sense. Right. You're right. So <laughs> this, this begs the question, when people talk to you, and they, they ask you all these questions about what you do. Do you just tell them, oh, I'm just a crafter? I say I'm a content creator. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't get into it too much. I mean, people tend to either know or not know. My buddy Greg, uh, it was the we call him Tall Greg from mm -hmm. uh, from uh, Maker Fair. Maker Fair because by far he was by the tall by far the tallest. He was at least five inches above anybody else there. His his son and my youngest daughter are the exact same age. And in eighth grade, Greg and I had met and somebody else, we were in a, we were in a group called dads of five forks. So, uh, fathers would, or father, five forks, fathers, that's what it was. Five forks, fathers. And we would go into the school wearing our, t our, you know, like polo shirts and it had five forks fathers on it. And it was basically to let, you know, the kids who might have the idea that they could get away with something know that there was dads around keeping an eye on them. And anyway, we were at, we were at like kind of a recruiting event and Greg shows up and the guy who was kind of the head of it says to me, Oh yeah, you should meet Chad. He does all these powder coated cups. He said, he does a lot of the same kind of stuff you do. And Greg was more into like digital 3d design and he's, he's a maker's maker. And I was just doing powder coating. Right. And so he's sitting there and he's looking at my cups. He's like, oh yeah, I've been watching all these videos on YouTube on how to do this. And it was like, like PJ where, you know, he didn't recognize me because I was never really in my videos because I was absolutely completely into this day, probably still am a little bit uncomfortable being on screen. And so I didn't put myself on screen a lot. 
So he had no idea. And he's like, yeah. And he, he pulls up. I, I said, so show me those videos you're watching. I'd be very interested. <laughs> so he pulls them up. And I know, I know, I know I'm the only one with those videos on there. So he's pulling them up. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Mancrafting. Yeah, I love that video. And he keeps going and going and going. And I'm like, you realize that that's my YouTube channel, right? And he was like, what? And he was like, oh. <laughs> He was like, I can't believe this. He had like five videos of mine that he'd watched and I hadn't, you know, it just, it was the first person. I'm not going to say that recognized me, but that had watched my videos and let me know that they'd watched my videos. And it was, you know, yeah. and, and he's, he's really good at all the things I'm not good at. And I'm, I have the tools that he doesn't have. So they're to match made in heaven, marriage made in heaven. So he's my second wife. <laughs> As, as he told me one day, I said, so uh, I, actually when we were up in New York, I stayed with him the first Maker Faire. And he says, uh, I said, so is this a double bed or like two singles? What's going on there? I, I was like, who's big spoon? Who's little spoon? And he goes, hey, I don't, I don't spoon. He says, cause spooning leads to forking and I don't play. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play that. <laughs> and on that so. note, we're going to go to Tom. Tom, do you have anything for short and sweet? <laughs> Uh, yeah, go check out Chad at Mancrafting. So this week, my my seven year old and I, uh, I accidentally introduced him to Abbott and Costello. We were playing his Nintendo Switch, and I was like, I think we were playing Animal Crossing, and I go, "How do I pick up the apple?" And he goes, "Why?" And I go, <laughs> "I go because it's on the ground, and I want to pick it up." <laughs> and he says, "Why?" And the whole time. I needed to press the Y button. And of course I knew immediately. Uh, and I just kept going and uh, I actually made him upset, but it's because he doesn't know Abbott and Costello. So we spent like an hour watching Abbott and Costello. And uh, I don't think I realized this, but they did that same bit with like a hundred different things. Like they did the misinterpretation bit with way more than just who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. And if you watch the who's on first bit again, like I haven't watched in years and I thought it was hilarious whenever I watched it, I didn't realize how brilliant it was. And like, I actually don't know which one's which, but the guy is actually learning within the sketch. Like this is all by design, but he's like actually learning this new lingo that this guy is like rambling back to him. And it's just, it's so next level and i just don't think there's anything else like it uh, on the planet it's so brilliant so go watch habit and costello with your kids that's my that's my short and sweet costello was the big guy okay i mean they're both brilliant both roles were very like incredibly brilliant and the comedic timing there's a bit where they're in a car and he's telling costello's telling abbott to back up the car and he's going back up and then he says go ahead like go ahead and back up and that's the whole confusion and the timing at which he says go ahead every single time like if he was a fraction of a second different it would it would have been weird and awkward and it was just it's so perfect unbelievable so go watch it again <laughs> it's good stuff can't can't mess with the classics you know no it's pretty much where all my stuff comes from tanda you got anything for short and sweet? I don't have much for short and sweet other than to go check out uh, Chad's YouTube videos. And apparently you have a TikTok now. I didn't know that. So I, I have a few people that I follow on, on TikTok just because they're nowhere else. 
Yeah, I did the TikTok thing for just a little while, and then I was like, I've already got, I've I've spent way too much time doing Instagram already, so I'll have to I'll have to go check out your TikTok. Is that something that is that something you've been doing for like since the beginning of TikTok's popularity or recent? You know, so after one of the workbench cons, uh, um, ugly du- ugly duckling, yeah, you know, Sarah. Mm-hmm. So she, we went. Uh, it was me and Yellow Mug and a couple other people. We met at a restaurant. Uh, probably about a half hour from here and we we're just, you know, hanging out and having a uh, dinner. And she said, Oh, you got to get on TikTok." And this was early, early on, like in the first couple months. And I opened up my account and I put up like three or four videos and they were getting a lot of views. But the biggest turnoff for me was every time I was on the for you page, it was just feeding me kids dancing, girls dancing, teenage girls dancing specifically and people doing people doing like lip syncing stuff and it just didn't appeal to me i was like this is terrible and after after that first initial like two or three videos that i put up i didn't go back on tiktok actually until they invited me into the tiktok creator program and so that was my motivation to really be on tiktok it was basically a contract and i had to put out i want to say it was 40 videos in two months and I cranked out the videos and they give you like kind of a little bit of guidance on like what works well, things mm-hmm. to do to add, you know, more views. And by the time I was done with that, I'd had quite a few uh, followers. And so I've just kind of maintained it because as we all know, wherever you get fed, wherever you get the most feedback that's positive you're going to put more energy into that. So growing on Instagram for me has been almost impossible after 14,000. I just can't get above that. I mean, literally I'll gain five new people and lose seven. And it's like, I just kind of like, you know, I don't put the energy in and it's probably self-sabotage because if I put the energy in, maybe the growth would be there. But on TikTok, I put up a video and it, if it does really well, I add, you know, a hundred, 200, 300 new people and so it's been some place where I've definitely put the energy in and yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'm doing all right on, on, on TikTok. but the main thing for people who have never been on TikTok, this is my short and sweet. I probably already did a short and sweet, but I'm going to do one more. No, no. <laughs> Curate your for you page, follow people that you like their content. So like Tanda said, she follows a few people and that's the tick. That's the kind of stuff. So if she goes to your follow page, then all she's going to see is what those people have put out. If she goes to the for you page and she continues to curate it, like put, you can actually click on uh, not interested on videos that you don't like. So if it's a Mm -hmm. young teenage girl and you don't want to see that, and I've got two teenage girls. Well, actually my oldest is 20, 21 now, but at the time when I was first on there, you know, they were both in their teens. I don't want that stuff popping up on my, on my phone while I'm sitting with them you know, watching a TV show or something or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't want that mm-hmm. coming up and I don't want them emulating it either. So I, I just hit not interested all the time on things that I'm not interested in. And slowly but surely they see what my my viewing habits are and they feed me nothing but that good stuff that I like. So I see knife makers, woodworkers, uh, people that do machining, you know, anything creative like that, that's what I see on my For You page. My daughters, if I pick up their phone, they're seeing all the that I could care less to see. It, it, That's the one thing I like about TikTok. It really curates. The thing I hate about Instagram, and I, 
you know, I like Instagram, but I, I don't like the fact that people that I really care about, I never see their content. I have I, to, yeah, there are people I have to look for now and I mm-hmm. see so much other mm-hmm. stuff and it's like, yeah, I'm following this person, but I interact with them maybe once a year. And there are these people that I interact with on Instagram and, and yet they're way down in my feed or they don't even come up. They never is, come up. They never come yeah. up. And, and, and the biggest thing for me was when that started happening to me originally, I would put in show notifications when they post something. So I have some people that it will pop up a notification, but now I can't even figure out how to add that feature. It doesn't seem like it has it anymore. So I can't add any new people because it's just not there. Right. So I don't know. I feel like Instagram is self, like it's like self-destruction in a, in a sense. Yeah, it seems like one of them becomes really good in this in a niche, and then they see one of the other social media people doing something else, and so then they try to add videos or they try to add some kind of short, and they try to become something that they weren't to begin with, and then mm-hmm. they just become you know yet another that's trying to do everything. Well, I think Instagram has even said recently that they're no longer a photo-based platform; they're a video platform. And that's fine. I don't mind that. It's just show me the stuff I want to see. Well, and YouTube's going the other direction. And now YouTube Shorts is trying to be, TikTok. you know, Instagram or TikTok. Yeah. Um, and it's like, do your, do your thing. <laughs> that you're, well, that you're you know, when, well. I, yeah. when I started doing YouTube, you had to put a video out that was 10 minutes or longer. That was the option, you know, because anything shorter than that, you couldn't put an ad in it. I mean, it just didn't, you know, their YouTube Shorts, I don't know that it's monetized yet. It's not for me anyway. But I don't know. It's like, it's the reason I didn't get on Instagram early is because, you know, I was like, I don't see the point because I can't monetize it. I mean, I can kind of see why they're doing it because people are making, you know, content creators like yourselves, you're probably making a shortened version for TikTok. Well, and so then they can put it on, you know, you're going to throw it on YouTube as well because you've already made it. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, Chad. Well, you've officially turned the short into sweet and the long and sour. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this thing up here. <laughs> I like sour. Th- that was very salty, Tom. He was he was not happy with Instagram. I don't oh know. You, I know god. you you checked out. Oh my god. Salty and sour are different things. Oh, it's brutal. Neither one of you were listening to him. I'm so, I'm so sorry, Chad. So sorry. <laughs> Side Not true. <laughs> yes. Everybody but PJ. <laughs> All right, we're out of the sidebar. <laughs> we're out of the sidebar. Yeah. <laughs> I announced last week that Dave from Shandy Bear had sent me um, a knob or was sending me a knob to to make in a replacement that was broken. And I had totally misconstrued the pictures that he sent. It was not for a hex bolt. Like I got the knob. And I've been prototyping it. It's nearly done as far as I just need to get a few kinks worked out. But it is probably the weirdest thing I've ever seen. So it goes on a shaft, a stainless steel shaft, that has a notch cut out of the middle. So you go down like let's say half an inch and then it looks like uh, a cutter on a mill just mills in this flat slot where you'd think like a set screw or something would go and then the rest of it's round. Well... If you look inside the knob tube where it's broken, there is a receiving flat bulge inside this round knob that Mm. connects to Mm -hmm. that. 
but it doesn't appear that there's any way to get that on or off. Like, well, I don't yeah, know. It was probably, it was probably press fit on and the plastic just stretched enough to snap I, I, it on. I guess so. I, but hmm. anyway, uh, I remedied that by making a set screw. So I'm using a quarter 20 thread. And uh, I, that's one of the things I'm, I'm just, I'm working out the little, I think I've got it worked out where it'll print. If you print it just straight out and you try to screw in the bolt, it'll split. But I've reduced it, the, uh, the horizontal expansion by like 0.15 millimeters. And I think it, it's working. So I think that's that's the go-to. Well, that's that's interesting. I wonder if you could make something like that. Um, I mean, just kind of on a tangent, in two pieces, so that then when you glue it and let him glue it nope. together on nope. the shaft and have it, this would is, that not be strong enough? The, yeah, the whole thing is cracked down the entire shaft. This is not only does it have to would gluing it be a bad idea? I have to print the thing completely solid with no infill. So it's like it has to be super strong. I guess this thing is under tension or, or something. I don't know. But hmm. it 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 is not, you know, it's not a happy knob. So I got to make something. And I, I beefed up the wall diameter by double. So it's super beefy now. Like if he breaks it, he's, cool. he's really trying. But anyway, that's that's my short and sweet. Of course, I want to thank our top Patreon supporters, our very own Tanda and Creator Nader. We haven't had a new top Patreon in a while. So if you'd like to be that top Patreon, head on over to patreon.com forward slash makerskills. And now we're going to go do the secret segment with Chad. He's got something to tell us that only the Patreons are going to hear. So go join up. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maker Skills. If you should need more skill information, you can find us on Instagram at maker.skills. You can also email us at makerskillspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at PJ Galati, son of the junk hunter on Instagram and YouTube. You can find Tanda at Tanda Madison on Instagram. And you can find Tom at Infinite Craftsman on Instagram. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time.